Hello and welcome to another episode of the SBK Betting Podcast. This is another one of our golf specials. Now, if you've been following these specials throughout the season, you'll know that we've already put up multiple major winners uh, across the season, including Brian Harmon, Sepp Stracker, The Forecast at the British Open. I'm not sure there'll be about many other podcasts that have, uh, have, done, <laughs> have done that. Uh, and we're back this time round for a, for a Ryder Cup special. Um, and we've got the band back together, minus TC. Uh, Marios, how are you? I'm very well, thank you. Looking forward to this week. Yeah, and Brian, the man who's hypnotised by numbers, we're hypnotised by him. <laughs> all good, on, all good for, a Sunday, or for a Monday morning anyway. Fantastic. Good to have you back together. So, we're talking about the Ryder Cup this time round. I'll break down the current odds and then we'll, we'll get into it. So, as it currently stands on a Monday morning, the USA, insert the booze here, are even money. Uh, Europe at 5-4 to four and the draw at 11-1. to one. So we're going to kick off by just looking at the team selections a bit, and I'll, I'll go to you, Brian. Were there any sort of surprises for you when, when Luke Donald and Zach Johnson announced their, their teams? Yeah, I thought, I thought when uh, Zach announced the teams, there was a few kind of dubious picks. Obviously, Keegan Bradley and Lucas Lover probably should have been in there on form. Um, Sam Burns is a great player. He won the match play, obviously, so I uh, can't really argue there. But, um, yeah, I don't know. They were talking more about... Um, a fraternity type thing when he's picking his friends and all that kind of you know even Justin Thomas had a question mark over him but then if you look back at some of the records like Justin Thomas playing with Jordan Spieth in the, the Ryder Cups and whatever they form a great team so I don't know it just depends what way you look at it really and um, I think for the European side I did think Ludwig Aberg was he could prove, prove me wrong easily you know what I mean but he was he's only been a pro a few months Um uh, uh, Eduardo Malinari, he's in there and he's doing the data, the data analytics side of the things. So I think that's where that, that he, he kind of stemmed from in the first place. And then when he got on the radar, fair play to him, he won in Cron when he was playing with all the captains and whatever. So can't really argue that he, you know, he did well to get in there that, that way. But I just, I don't know, the Ryder Cup is a big mental kind of sport and he's never a part of the game. He's never really experienced that kind of thing before. So. Uh, it'd be interesting to see how he goes anyway, and but if he maybe if he got, if he stuck to four balls and then the singles, he could actually turn out to be a good bet for a uh, top rookie for the European side or whatever you know. So, yeah, it's intriguing to see anyway. Yeah, no, absolutely. And Marios, any any surprises on on your side? I think the only surprise was probably perhaps Bradley missing out to Burns, um, but maybe Bradley wasn't the right fit for the team. Um, whereas Burns, I think, has got ties to, to Scheffler and I think they're slated to play together. On the European side, I think it was very tight between Nikolai and um, Moronk. And I think Moronk's really unlucky not to, I mean, previous winner. I think he's come first and third on the track. So I think Moronk was very unlucky. I think it was a coin flip. I think the fact that Aberg came with a run, like Brian said at the end there, I think kind of reduced the the available spots to, to uh, the captain, Donald. Um, and he went with... He went with Nikolai, so and I can't really argue with that. I couldn't agree more. Moronk, Moronk was the one for me. I mean, he looked absolutely devastated in in that that interview after the the announcements went round, and you know he's played pretty 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 decent stuff since. I mean, especially especially being on the course, as Mario said, there win and yeah, second or third as well, and you know that's that's a big thing. Like course fit, he's he's shown he has it, and you know he can play the course and. I, I, I kind of know that Rasmus Hart, I think he's three wins on the European Tour and we're on now big wins, big events, like Rolex yep. events and stuff. And 
then Rasmus Hodgegaard has four as well. I kind of thought it would be, especially with Bjorn being in the captains, in one of the vice captains, and he, he knows them from a very young age and whatever. I actually thought the two of them might, might be in there, and I was saying there last week I had a few, I had a few like anti-post bets from 16, 18 months ago on Rasmus to make the team at big prices, so... Maybe I'm thinking a little bit with my heart and you know my own personal <laughs> my wallet. Talking through the pocket, we love it. Um, so in terms of in terms of the team selection, guys, who who do you think are there any names there that you're particularly worried about? You think you know they might they might let the team down. They, these are kind of the these are the people that you know to try and to try and get after. I think <clears throat> maybe the, the kind of weakest link maybe for Europe might be actually Nikolai Hodgegaard. I think, like I said, if Rasmus was there with him and they could team up and that, they could have made a great team. But just on his own, I, I don't think he played that many matches, to be honest. Um, even though, again, he's another course winner at uh, Marco Simone. And then there's McIntyre. He's not playing great at the minute. But again, he won. A, he, he was the other of the third, the three winners, I think, at Marco Simone. So. Yeah, he's got, got good course form. Yeah, I don't know. But I just none of them really look too. I, I think that, I think both teams are actually really good, uh, a nice mix, and I just think I think the market has it right. I, I really think it's very very close. Now there was a there was a big kind of discrepancy in the prices even a month ago, just before the picks were made. But uh, since then, Europe have um, coming coming drifted quite. Or, sorry, USA have drifted quite a bit, and Europe have come in. And yeah. I think it's quite fair now the market. Yeah, to be honest. Give us a line on JT then, Marios. Should should he be there or or like you say, you're going back and you're saying you would have taken Bradley instead of JT? No, I never said that. I never said that. I think JT was always <laughs> I think JT was always on the list. Um, but what going just going back to your point, Adam. Um, if you're looking at the guys that may that may suffer a little bit and may let the team down, as it were, um, I'd look at the bigger names. I'd look at Scheffler, Rahm, Rory. The pressure's on them. That they're expected to play four or five games at least and carry the team. And I think with the rookies, uh, the likes of Aberg, Stracker, uh, the Hoy guards who's been there before, there's probably less pressure on those and, and they may fare better. Uh, I know it's a different type of pressure, but Scheffler's not been playing great. Rahm's been pretty average and Rory's been pretty average in the last month. So I think the pressure and the onus is on those guys to, to kind of carry the team or carry the respective teams through. So um, I think JT will come on to him later. I, I think he'll go well. I actually think he'll go well. He'll get a lot of games with with Spieth. I think he'll actually, he's shown some signs over the last couple of weeks. I think he had a run out two, three weeks ago and, and he did okay. So um, no real worries about JT. No, it's an interesting one, isn't it? I mean, you, you mentioned sort of some of the bigger names there and I think we're going to talk about core setup in a, in a second. I think this is probably a decent lead into it. I do worry about Rory and Rahm and some of the big hitters here because this it just doesn't strike me as a course for that. I mean, there's a lot of a lot of thick rough, and if you've got Rory sticking it everywhere off the off the tee, and and Rahm's got that in his locker as well, I mean, he could get in some trouble. And, and uh, you mentioned Scheffler there as well, Marius. I mean, like his putting woes are. Well, we don't. We're not even going to go there again. We've, we've discussed it on these this podcast previously, but these greens are severely undulating, and I just I do worry for for Scheffler on them. I mean, he could could find a lot of trouble. Um, Brian, you're our man with, with, with all the course info. Give us, a, give us a rundown of what we need to expect this week. Yeah, so it's going to be kind of similar to uh, the Golf National back in 2018, I think. Um, they pinched the rough really in deep down on a like, real tick at a rough. We won't be able to do that that much this year, so the fairways will still be wide enough. But um, 
it's a similar kind of setup to actually to the golf national with risk reward play all the lakes around the courses and the premium the real premium is going to be on the approach shots so as you say there's not uh, the bombers don't have much of an advantage here i don't think either course has kind of much of an advantage in terms of course fit but there are some fairway bunkers and some corners on dog leg holes that you can cut the, the bigger guys can cut for easier shots in but again you're, you're going to have to really have strong total driving skills which is an amalgamation of straight and long basically other than that it's it's, it's more of a strategic course yes yeah? so um and it's going to be a lot of drama with the lakes around the holes and um now, the bunkering is probably the main kind of defence of the course, or if you get a windy day with the lakes around, like I said, the water and whatever. And but yeah, it's just a, it's it's, a, it's they've actually set it up, or they've been doing renovations over the last few years to make it a really dramatic um, kind of style risk reward course. And yeah, I just have some of the premiums down here. The, the, the irons and approach is, is number three out of three, basic strength on my model there for the the premiums anyway. And then total driving is two, and of course showing mentality you're gonna to have to be very mentally strong to play in the world in the Ryder Cup so yeah um I just in terms of course fit I just don't see any really any real advantage to either side I think maybe in the foursomes it'll suit Europe and the four balls maybe even the US will have the edge so yeah I mean in terms of in terms of course comps you can shoot me down here I've got down Kapalua Century Tournament of Champions host against probably the most undulating yeah, course that big wide on, the, course, yeah. on the PGA Tour. Yeah, so you want to look at, I mean, Rahm's obviously gone very well there in the past. Colin Morikawa, JT, Spieth. Um, and then over in, in Europe, I always quite like Kranz uh, uh, as a comparison here with, you know, Nikolai's played well there. Bob uh, Ludwig, obviously, and, and, and Matt Fitz. So perhaps worth taking a look at, at, at some of that form if you if you if you're punting in the, in the four balls and that sort of stuff. Um, right, let's get into, the, into some, some, uh, some selections then. Marios, we'll, we'll kick off with you. Headline selection, who's going to win this thing? I think it's going to be so, so close, but I'm erring towards Europe purely because uh, more of the guys are in form. Uh, I think it's going to be really, really tight, and I think it's going to be the first uh, rider coming a long time that it will be tight. I actually think the draws in play. I know we had a draw yesterday at the at the Solheim Cup. I think the draws in play here. It's going to be that tight. Um, but yeah, I, I'm going to edge Europe by the odd point. Okay. Uh, and Brian, would you back that up? Yeah, similar. Um, I think it's going to be very close and just with a little bit more value than on Europe. And I tend to go towards the correct score in that. So it's a process called Dutching. When you're betting, it's basically just breaking your stakes up. So um, if one of your selections, you make multiple selections, and if one of them win, you would return the same kind of on your whole outlay. And it works out as around, actually, looking at the SBK prices this morning, if you were to back Europe in the tightest three score lines, so 14 and a half, 13 and a half, 15, 13, and 15 and a half, 12 and a half, and you split your stakes up proportionally, you will get a return on 7 to 2. On your total outlay doing that now if you fancy america you can do the very same thing and you get odds just slightly short you might just get under 4.0 but i like the seven to two ish on doing that on europe i think it will be tight and i think if they're to win yeah something like 15 13 or something is a, a great little show great way to go and it's just getting more about much more value than taking the 2.24 or whatever is for the straight win you know so that's the way i would attack it yeah the correct score angle okay nice maris have you got a correct score for us Correct score, I will go 14 and a half, 13 and a half. 
to the Europeans. Yeah, very tight. And I should point out, you know, USA won the last Ryder Cup, obviously, in 1999 at Whistling Straits, but it was back in, in 21. And Europe have won the last six in, in Europe. Uh, USA have only won once away from home soil since 1981. That was at the Belfry in 93, rolling back the years. Um, so, you know, the, the, the stats are in, uh, in the Europeans' favour in, in that sense. But, yeah, it's, it does look like a, a very sort of close, close run thing. Um, let's talk about top point scorers for each team, guys. Uh, Brian, you got someone from the US and someone for Europe that we can we can come down on here? Well, obviously, I'll go for the for the main guys. Like we, we've already opposed or said some reasons why we could oppose Scheffler and all that, but uh, the two behind, Cantlay and Schaffrey, they're a very good team together. They'll probably be playing most matches together, and they're fearsome in singles. So they would be the two to beat, I think. But I'm actually going to go down for much further down the market. You get Max Homer near double figures as top USA point scorer. I just think he's one of the most informed guys. He is completely suited to match play. He can play any format, no problem. He's, his all-round game is brilliant. He's straight off the tee. Tee to green games, great. Around the green, everything. And his personality means he can actually match up with any kind of style of player. So I actually think he's going to play four, if not five, of the games. And I heard a rumour there that he was... Uh, he was grouped in for some with Colin Marikawa and two others, but I was thinking if he comes in, if he's going to be playing with Marikawa, that would be an absolutely brilliant team. So, yeah, I think I think Max is just is, is a real kind of outsider to watch in that market, and if you wanted to watch it or take him in the top rookie market, is great bet as well, or top overall rookie or something like that. Yeah, he's he's three to one in that top rookie market. I'm I'm with you on on both accounts, Brian. I think it's noticeable that uh, Max has been doing quite a lot of press activity with with Colin Morikara in the last couple of weeks. So that looks like a pairing to look out for. And I I agree. A uh, double figure price. I think he's he's, he's tremendous. Uh, anyone from from Europe we need to look out for, uh, Marios? From Europe, I'm going to go for one of the rookies if he can get um if he can get going on the first day and Donald picks him for the first day. I think Stracker, who's a bird machine. Um, perhaps not the foursomes, but if he gets to go on the on, on, on the four balls, he could really get going. Uh, I fancy him to have a really, really good debut. And an obvious one for the Europeans would be Hovland. I think the track will suit Hovland. I think he's in great form. He's arguably probably the best player out of the 24 there at the moment um, in terms of current form and the last couple of months that he's had. Um, but he'll be a shorter price. But Stracker, if, he, if, he, if Donald gives him a, a go on the first day at some point, uh, and I'm looking at the four balls. I think he could play day two if he's in form and he's a bit of a bird machine. So he could be some real value, or if not, take him in the in the top rookie market. Yeah, ten to one top rookie market. Sep, Sep Stracker. That does look like a bit of value. And you mentioned Victor Victor Hovland there, Marius. He's uh, currently five to five to one to to be top European point scorer. That looks like a decent price to me as well. I think there's plenty of plenty of reason to oppose McElroy and, and Rahm in that market. Um, so, yeah. Brian, anyone from, from Europe for you, or are you just content rowing in with Max Homer? No, I'm, I completely agree with Marius there. Hovland is my bet, one of my best bets in the tournament, actually, if you wanted to back him in the, in the overall point scorer market as well. Again, he played, he didn't have a great record. Um, in the, you know, none of them did at Whistling Straits for the European team, really, but so he'd be eager to, 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 get, to get back on that one. And um, he just... He's like he, I think again he played five like he played five matches in Wilson Straits and I think he'll do that again again for similar reasons with Homer he's probably the best guy from tee to green uh, he's in the best form at the moment decent price he's about just touching double figures in the overall points for our markets but I've got the stats out of there he was in all the main ball striking stats like strokes gained 
of the fee approach, all that's a total drive, and he was top ten in all of them. And I actually just ran him in the in the the numbers I have in my model here for the course fit, and he's nine point six two out of ten, and he only loses for his around the green play, which is not so much needed here. Um, just a little bit, maybe you know what I mean. So uh, yeah, I just think Hovland is again he can he can play with anybody as well, all the formats, and I think he could be the main man for Europe. Yeah. Yeah, I completely agree. The course should could should set up really, really nicely for him as well. Um, any other markets taking your fancy, guys? I'm I'm sure you're really keen to get involved in uh, top lefty Brian Harmon versus Bob Mack. Any ma any major fancy there, guys? Uh, you'd have to go with Harmon there, wouldn't you? I just uh, I think he's going to be playing with Brooks a few times as well. I heard something along the rumours of that. So. Like yeah. What combination? What combination of characters <laughs> that will be? Yeah, but exactly. The two, the two of them are feisty. It'd be perfect for each other, maybe. Yeah. So Me I don't know. Mega, I don't, mega corp and mega ego. There, yeah. I don't know. Is there a price? Have you got a price there on those? It's they're they're both one point eight in that market. Yeah, I'd go for I'd go for Harman then. Yeah, definitely. Friend of, friend of the podcast. Mario, Harmon's your, you as well. No, Harmon's your guy. He's not our guy, right? So he's your guy. So how, how do you think you'll do? How do you think you'll do, Adam? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think it's, I think it's made for him as well. I, I quite, I quite like the fact that you know, distance isn't isn't a premium on this course either. I think it actually, I think it actually suits him. Um, so yeah, I'd be taking Harmon over over Bob Mack any any day of the week. I just the other thing with with Bob is that I think pressure gets to him a lot. I'm I am worried about him um, this week, and he's not playing great stuff. Um, in, of recent weeks, so yeah, I'm kind of, think, I'm kind of thinking McIntyre would be the one that doesn't play that many games. To be honest, maybe two, three games max, even two, probably three. Yeah, no, big time, big time. Okay, guys, sorry. So, any other? I've got a bit waylaid there with this top left out, left lefty market. Anything else that tickles your fancy? Well, I put one up there in, in the in the preview, and it was just about I saw. I've seen it in a few books actually. It's like the hole in one no or the hole in one yes, and this is only something that would appeal to like the big hitters. But um, I did a kind of, I did a sample over two years. I recorded a sample of attempts and par trees. About two, I took them at two hundred and thirty thousand attempts or something like that, just to work out the actual the actual odds because it's changed lately for the pros to score a hole in one. And basically, it worked out as nineteen hundred to one. And there's only going to be two hundred and fifty or two hundred eighty-eight attempts on par trees in this Ryder Cup if all par trees were to be played. But one of the par trees is the seven is the seventeenth, so a lot of matches won't get that far. So that may be something that wasn't taken into the pricing. But so mathematically, you're looking at one point one five for no hole in one and seven point seven for a hole in one. That's that's a one hundred percent book. And now currently on S markets it's one point two six, so there's a bit of value there. And in other books you could even get higher than that. I've seen one point three and higher even. So that's one for the big hitters. Not much points if you're only a small stake or whatever. But I think there's a bit of value in that if you if you want to, that likes to make a big bet. It's a really interesting angle. And I mean, listen, if you do make it to seventeen, that par three is just like a nightmare, isn't it? The, the danger on either side. You know, you'd, be, you'd be absolutely. You'd be stunned, wouldn't you? Over two hundred uh, yards as well. I think there was actually a hole in one made this year at the Italian Open on the on the longest one, the two hundred twenty-seven yard. Uh, I think it's the third third hole or something like that. It was Tristan Lawrence or, or seventh hole. I think Tristan Lawrence made, and he won a car actually. But of course, there was around eighteen hundred attempts on, on that. You know, for on par three shots in that tournament overall. Anyway, so the expectancy with two hundred and fifty attempts, you know. I think we've only seen six hole in ones in Ryder Cups 
in history. So that'll tell you all you need to know really there. Nice. All right, guys. Well, look, thank you for your thoughts. To, to wrap up, I think we all agree that, that Europe will just edge it, but it could be, it could be, a, it could be a tight one. And Brian made some, some, some really good points there around dutching, around some of the correct score markets. But I think generally we're sort of thinking it's going to end up in this sort of 15, 13 kind of um, region, right, which is going to be around the sort of 9 to 1, 11 to 1 uh, area. And then you need to be focusing on uh, Max Homer in terms of top USA point scorers. And remind me, guys, who did we fancy for, for Europe in the top point scorers? Victor Hovland? Hovland. Hovland for Europe. And yeah, oh, maybe I think the best bet maybe might be um, top overall rookie, Max Holman, around 3 to 1. I think that's probably my bet at the tournament. Yeah, you like him over Ludwig? Yeah, I, I, I don't, I'm not sure Ludwig would play in the foursomes, you know what I mean? So I think Max Holman will play four, at least, if not all five games. So. Love it. That's about 3 to 1, I think, at present. Yeah, 3 to 1 is shit. Marios, anything to wrap up? No, the only one that I've, the one that we haven't mentioned is is JT top US scorer. I do like JT. I think he'll get a lot of games. If he'll he'll play with speed, I think uh, in most games on both days. And if he is in form and he rides across the way, I think there's something like ten to one or twelve to one around him. So I'll have a, a little interest in that. In terms of things I didn't think I'd hear when we recorded this this morning, JT top USA point scorer it has to be pretty pretty much up there. Uh, but he did he played well last week, I suppose. He he did well, and he will play with speed. So, and if they get off to a good start, they'll be paired probably for the four games, and then um, he'll have the singles to deal with on Sunday. But that's it, really. It's like 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 a derby in football. Sometimes form goes out the window, and then if you're going to be playing with Jordan Speed, the two of them just click, and yeah, they could play all four together again. And there you go, get three three wins there or something. The wins a single, and Bob's your uncle. Not Bob McIntyre. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, guys, thanks a lot for, for, for joining us again. It's been awesome doing these, these podcasts with you through the, through the season. Really, really enjoyed it. Um, I hope everyone else has as well. Just a quick reminder that USBK customers can get £30 in free bets when you bet £10. TCCs to apply. It's for new customers only. Please gamble responsibly. And if you want to look out for Brian's written preview, that's available on the SBK betting zone later this week. Uh, so you can get more of Brian's thoughts there. If you've enjoyed this podcast... Always like and subscribe, and uh, we'll see you all very soon.